0: You ready to rock and roll?
1: I think so. Why don't you take us away? Well, hello, watch fam. <laughs> Welcome to our episode nine. Uh, this is Gun,
0: and I'm Kaylee. In this show, I've challenged Gun to trade up a hundred-dollar watch into a dream watch, which in this case is a NOMA's Campus for Gun's dad. No updates on that challenge today.
1: No, but in the upcoming weeks, we will be posting the Seiko QC. It will be. A- uh, out for sale, and hopefully by next week. That's the plan.
0: That's a good goal to shoot for. Well, on today's episode, I thought we'd talk about your recent watch meetup in Seattle.
1: Yes, so it's been about two weeks, and it was really exciting for me because I've been talking to these people over the past year or so. I joined Instagram during the pandemic, and I got really close to this watch community just because I think everyone at the meetup had talked about how we became very codependent on each other during the pandemic, whether it was justifying our pandemic purchases. And yes, that was a keyword that came up. How everyone talked about they had a few. It wasn't just me, though. A few of us had made (laughs) pandemic purchases just because of our emotional instability. So I think we kind of justified our uh, watch acquisitions. And it was just nice just getting to connect with other watch collectors. And this was also my first uh, socializing event in over a year, so that was really fun. Before we <laughs> dive into
0: to more of the details of the watch meetup, is this a secret watch society? Is it like Skull and Bones? Is this Nexium? Or are we allowed? <laughs> are we allowed to, I mean,
1: to think, talk about this? I think we're. I am allowed to talk about this, but I won't be mentioning any names or Instagram handles for their own privacy. Well, so, we're not going to yeah.
0: be sharing anything. Up
1: spicy or anything like
0: that yeah. um, but as you as you said earlier these are all folks that you actually met through instagram correct and so when you showed up to, mm-hmm. to meet together did you all know each other's actual names or are you no. saying like hey this is patina Mihazy, this is
1: yeah when you introduced I? like uh, when i introduced myself as Gun, no one had a clue who i was but then when i said oh i'm patina mihazi then you know people are like oh i know who you are and that's how it was with everyone else. We knew each other by our Instagram handles and not our actual names. Because
0: most of these folks, like, you didn't even know what they looked like,
1: right? No, and not, I wasn't even uh, connected with everyone on Instagram. It was just a few people within their group. And so it was nice to meet Instagram buddies and then to meet everyone in person. So, for
0: those of us like myself who have never been to a watch meetup, what do you actually do?
1: So, this was my first watch meetup as well, like I'd said. I didn't know what to expect and I didn't even know how many watches I was supposed to bring. (laughs) So I didn't know if I wanted to bring, you know, my entire collection or just bring in a few. From A to Z, I really didn't know what to expect.
0: And a couple of days before the meetup, I had started asking you like, hey, do you know what the game plan is? Like, do you know (laughs) what what watches you want to bring? And so you did settle on two watches, right?
1: Yes, I brought two watches to this meetup. Uh, One was my Chrono Tokyo Mori. The reason being... It's an independent watchmaker that a lot of people are now starting to hear about, but they haven't really gotten to experience it in person just because it's a limited edition and there's not too many of these around. So I felt like that would be the perfect watch to bring. And then also another fellow Instagram buddy of mine had requested that I bring this watch. And then the second one being an avid Seiko enthusiast, I kind of had to represent the Seiko community. So, I brought in my Seiko uh, Poor Man 62 Moss, which is the 7005.
0: And when you're trying to think about which Seiko to bring, because you have,
1: a few like we've Seiko. discussed, a few <laughs>
0: Seikos here, what was your criteria for figuring that out?
1: I wanted to go with limited edition. Like, the more I think the scarcity is what was the theme for me, whether it was the Corona or the Poor Man 62 Moss. I wanted to bring a watch that they wouldn't normally see. And also a vintage item.
0: Were there any other Seikos there or Chronos? Or kind of what what did the watch spread look like at the
1: meeting? No, mine was the only Chrono, but there was a Ming, which is another independent watch brand that's very similar, I would say, to Chrono Tokyo. Similar price range, and then their very recent independent watch brand, but also has a very large cult following, like Chrono Tokyo. And their design is much more avant-garde. It's, yeah, very unique design. I think there was at least two more Seikos outside of mine. Uh, there was a few Seikos. And, yeah, it was a wide array of, like, watches going from a Rolex Daytona all the way down to a Swatch and a Seiko. So it was a very diverse group of watches that came <laughs> to this meetup.
0: And you said that there was, what, like, 10? I ten think even more. Left. I would oh, really? say,
1: yeah, a little bit over 10 of us, I think. And then ten each person
0: brought like two, three watches. watches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were there any curveballs? Like any ones you were like, ah, oh, I really wasn't expecting someone to bring this?
1: What surprised me the most was I put on a Rolex uh, Yacht Master, I believe having no idea. I'm not really too familiar with Rolex watches. So I put on this Rolex Yacht Master that was uh, on a rubber band, not knowing it was a platinum watch. But I recall thinking, wow, this is pretty heavy for being on a rubber strap. And then the owner actually mentioned that it was a platinum watch. So, you know, that was my first time actually putting on a platinum watch on my wrist. And I can tell definitely there's that heft and the weight to it. But that was a pretty cool experience that I wasn't expecting. So that was, I guess, in a curveball in a sense.
0: Yeah, you had shown me some of the, the pictures from the meetup, and it <laughs> definitely seemed like there was a wide variety mm-hmm. of watches. I would say, I, I would agree that I think the Ming is what really stood out to me.
1: Oh, wow, well, even to you, the Ming stood out out of the photos.
0: I think so, because I've seen a couple of Mings, or you've shared some of the Ming yeah. photos with me. <laughs> And the dial almost looks digital to me. Mm-hmm. So, avant-garde. Uh, sure, <laughs> yeah. avant-garde. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was one that really stood out out of all the watches. Um, well, for that one,
1: I still... <laughs> Someone had to show me how to put on the clasp of the bracelet because it's like a four-fold technique where you fold it. So it was very interesting because at first I had a hard time putting on that bracelet because it was a very unique design to the clasp. But yeah, everything about the watch, like you said, the watch is very digital or it seems digital. And then, yeah, just even outside of the dial, even the bracelet was very interesting to me. That watch get-together sold me on the Ming. So I hope to add that to my collection one day. Now I'm sold.
0: That's a relatively new
1: watch brand, right? Yes. It's very similar to Corona. In that it's, I would say the past like five years or so. But for Ming, it's a group, whereas Chrono Tokyo, it's from Hajime Asaoka, mm-hmm. And then it was a sub brand of Hajime Asaoka, So he could provide his watches at a much more affordable, you know, price point. But with Ming, I think it was five or six different watch geeks that got together, whether it was from a design aspect and they all got together for this one project and created this watch. And I think Ming is the head guy, head designer that took charge of the project. Ming it just, has Asian roots.
0: Asian roots. Okay. Well, Ming just seems interesting to me because, as you're saying, with the Chrono Tokyo brand, that originated from someone who was already very
1: well-established established mm-hmm. in the
0: watch industry. And it sounds like Ming is becoming more popular, but at least by my standards, I don't know by watch collector standards, mm-hmm. by my standards, it's not a cheap watch, right? You're no. going to be dropping a couple thousand on one of these watches. Mm-hmm. So I feel like trying to break out into the watch world with a watch that is on the high, high end, yeah. High I know that there's some watches that are tens <laughs> of thousands of dollars. So maybe this isn't yeah. high end, but to me, it's high end. No, yeah, I feel like labor. that's kind of hard to break into because if you're gonna drop money on a watch, a couple thousand dollars, mm-hmm. you know, are you gonna want to spend that on this unknown brand that doesn't have a lot of history? And like you're saying, it does yeah. sound like a very new brand. So that's
1: yes, that's what no. You're yeah, me. that is a good question. So I think then the watch industry, you could be a new independent brand charging quite a premium for a watch, so to say, because the way they're able to get a following, I think to get that niche group of people to, you know, be interested in their watches and purchase their watches is because the quality speaks for itself. And I think for watches, the quality doesn't lie. I know with Corona or Ming, when you look at the dial, the finishing, not so much. I know for Corona, a lot of people hate or they'll, uh, joke about the quality of the movement that's in the Chrono Tokyo, but when you just look at the dial, this amazing quality and same with the Ming, when you look at the finishing and quality of the watch, it speaks for itself. So even though it's a newer brand, it's able to get a following, a cult following, so to speak, and then get that exposure. Whereas both brands now, they have enough of a following where they have a launch for one of their timepieces and it sells out automatically within the 10-15 minute time period. So Ming does limited edition drops as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even outside of the me, there was watches that I wouldn't normally get to experience that I got to see in person. I got to see a Rolex Daytona for the first time. I want you to know I did you a huge favor. Oh. <laughs> I was tempted to put it on, but I didn't even want to go down this road because that's like the holy grail of all watches. And that's like the most expensive Rolex Daytona is like what John Mayer collects.
0: <laughs> that's a highest standard if John Mayer yeah. is putting that on. All right.
1: Yeah. So that's John Mayer's stamp of approval. but I didn't try it on because I didn't even want to go down that road because if I were to put it on and, you know, probably fall in love with this watch, I don't even know how I would even go about convincing you.
0: Well, that's the thing, but you don't have to worry because... We can't afford it. I don't even know how much it is, but I'm just going to assume that's not within our we budget. We can't afford it. So yeah, we can't afford it. I don't think we have to worry about that too much. But, but thanks for doing me a favor. Yeah.
1: And not putting on a Rolex Daytona. <laughs> I
0: mean, that's nice that everyone was pretty open to just trying each
1: other's watches on. And everyone's very respectful yeah. of watches, so mm-hmm. I don't think anyone was just going to, like, toss it. So, I, well, like, whenever you handle the watch, especially, like, like even if it wasn't expensive, I think you're very respectful because yeah, you know someone else's timepiece that they mm-hmm. care about. So in that regard, no one wasn't that worried. And even our meetup, it was in a public location, just out on the patio. And even people that like weren't part of our meetup, they were, I think they were also very respectful. And some people made comments like, "Oh, what are you guys up to?" They like ask questions, but it wasn't intrusive at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone had a great experience.
0: Because beyond seeing all the watches, something that you said right when you came home is like you felt very humbled. Not because of the collection, but just because a lot of these folks were just super knowledgeable about watches. Yes,
1: I felt like a rookie in training camp being with like seasoned (laughs) veterans. When I first got in, it was my first meetup. I didn't even know how to even, like, I didn't know if you're supposed to, like, introduce your watches to each other. I didn't even know. <laughs> okay. like, yeah. yeah. Hey, this is Gunn and this is these are my watches. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember we were having a discussion or everyone just started talking about watches in general. And I knew that they were much more seasoned veterans than I were. I'm, you know, very new. When it comes to the watch, maybe compared to the layperson, I know more about watches. But when it comes to the watch community, having collected for four years or so, I'd say that's very, I'm very new still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just hearing everyone talk about, you know, watches. I felt like for my next meetup, I might have to like take notes during my next (laughs) meetup just because (laughs) there's so much knowledge. Like, for instance, one of the most memorable things, and I remember sharing this with you, one of the topics that came up was a watch icon or watch tycoon called Jean-Claude Bivere. And someone was talking about, hey, it would be pretty smart if you wanted to invest in funds and purchase timepieces from uh, companies that he worked for, like, you know, starting from the 70s to the 80s, because he had gone through m- multiple watch companies during and his tenure.
0: Just taking a step back, is this a watchmaker? Is this a business person? So What's Jean-Claude
1: Bivere started from sales in AP in the 70s. And basically worked his way up to Omega and then to Blanc and the Swatch Group, and then he became a CEO. So he's like not a watchmaker per se, but within the watch industry he's considered the GOAT. There's about two people. There's one called Gerald Genta, who was an actual watch designer mm-hmm. that designed a lot of the watches that people uh drew like you know dream about nowadays for vintage watches. So I'd say Uh, Gerald Genta and John Claude Bivere are like the two big tycoons in the watch industry. Hmm. So basically like they're the MJ and Tom Brady uh... of the watch. And I don't, I feel weird saying Tom Brady's a Well, I guess yeah, he is a goat. So MJ and Tom Brady's of the watch industry. Someone had brought up a very interesting point that you can collect from the eras that he was actually at the helm of these companies. And that would be a very unique collection. And just for me, that like, the it fact really that yeah no yeah. of course not and then to collect pieces like for me it was like oh let me just collect my seikos to hear someone talk about hey collecting from you know john claude beaver and then the times he was at the helm of these companies would be a really cool collection things like that i was like oh wow these uh, watch collectors are definitely more seasoned than i am and so it's really cool just getting to hear their thoughts
0: it definitely sound like you learned a lot because you're there for
1: about Four hours. Four hours. I mean I was getting kind
0: of worried about you. I was like, dang, this is kind of a long meetup. Hope everything's gone As you okay. know,
1: I didn't check my phone once during that four hour meetup. What's kind of funny, the irony is we were surrounded by so many watches, but then I kind of forgot about the time while I was there. Actually,
0: did everyone else's watch have the correct
1: time? Ooh, I don't think so. No, no. There's definitely Are you just saying
0: that to cover no, yourself? Because no. like <laughs> no. I know a lot of times the time is not correct on your watches. So I'm curious. The date the... is never
1: correct. The mm-hmm. time is oftentimes not correct. <laughs> like I've said, that's what the iPhones for. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think other people too had uh incorrect times on their watches. So I don't think I'm the only one.
0: <laughs> okay, I have a really important question for you. Okay. Did you ask mm-hmm. the group to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts?
1: I did not. I cannot <laughs> draw up the courage to do a sales pitch, but I had a buddy of mine who kind of gave us a nice shout out on my behalf. He like brought mm-hmm. up, oh, you know, this has gotten in uh, Gunn his wife have like you know, a great podcast, and he kind of made a great introduction, so thank you.
0: Because technically you are the quote-unquote marketing director of this operation, so not that I know a lot about podcasts, but from what I've heard, these five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts are very important. So anyone an who's iPhone. listening to
1: our podcast now, uh, we would very much appreciate a five-star rating, right? It has to be a five-star.
0: Well, yeah, because
1: like, <laughs> if you give
0: us like a three-star rating, I don't think that's going to convince people to listen. Actually, I'm just happy that we've made it past our seventh episode. So before launching the podcast, I was doing different research. And how I research mainly is just by uh, watching YouTube videos. But on one of the videos that I watched, what they're saying is like that the majority of podcasts stop after the seventh episode. episode. So just the fact that we've been able to make it past the seventh episode feels like a pretty big win. And also
1: what's even more impressive is our entire journey is starting from <laughs> a Seiko to almost an campus and we haven't even made that first step yet. Yeah, we really need to get And we're first already on episode 9.
0: Hopefully people aren't uh, too heartbroken
1: about us not uh, starting <laughs> The watch will journey. be sold. We will be listing a Seiko uh, QZ for sale yes. in the upcoming weeks. But yeah, we just wanted to talk about my first watch meetup and just talk about how great of an experience it was. And I just want to thank the watch community of Seattle for welcoming me Uh, with all my Seiko's and all my (laughs) basic questions that I had.
0: It sounded like everyone had a good time, right? Everyone
1: had a great time, Yeah. yeah. And then most of us were there the entire four hours. And it was just talking watches and hearing people share their stories about their watches kind of made me justify this passion that I have, that it's not just me going crazy over watches.
0: Uh, I mean, I I love that. I think that's what's nice about hobbies or, you know, concerts, sports events. It's just nice that all these different people from different backgrounds who might not normally meet can all come together and enjoy something. The watch meetup happened Memorial Day weekend, and that was probably the most social weekend that we've had in a while.
1: It definitely was, yeah. (laughs) Because
0: uh, one of our our friends from college actually came up to visit Mm -hmm. from Oregon It was was just great. Like like you said, it's been such a long time since I've just gone out to happy hour with friends.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: And it was a beautiful weekend. Sat out on the deck at Ivers Salmon House. Definitely recommend it.
1: If you ever have visitors that are not from Seattle, that's always a good spot. But it has a great view of the Space Needle and it's by the water right next to the Chivalry Boathouse.
0: I was telling Gunn before we met up with our friends, like, hey, this might be a good opportunity to tell people we actually know in real life about this podcast. (laughs) And I was like, okay, if the opportunity presents itself,
1: let's just reveal.
0: And uh, yeah, I think like kind of towards the end of the evening,
1: there was an um, organic conversation. Yeah, organic conversation <laughs> yeah.
0: about, like, what podcast you all listen to. And I was like, oh.
1: oh we may listen to a podcast.
0: Yeah, we started a podcast <laughs> yeah. about watches. I mean, not that this is a secret entirely, but it felt good to just Kind tell, of share
1: this. Yeah, yeah
0: tell, tell people we know.
1: Share the project with, yeah, with actual friends.
0: And that weekend, I also cut off 12 inches of... Hair? You I did. phrased that really awkwardly, but I got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I fr- I just, yeah. I just For a good go.
1: cause, though.
0: It for, was for a good cause. That's yeah. why it was 12
1: inches. Yes, yes. <laughs> so
0: I, it was my first time getting a haircut in two years.
1: It was long overdue.
0: I know. It really was <laughs> long overdue. And part of it was because of the pandemic. Part of it is just because I just don't really like getting my hair cut. So I did end up cutting probably about 12, 13 inches for... Locks of love if i wasn't doing it for that i probably wouldn't have cut so much off because now my hair is shorter (laughs) length and it just feels super short to me but the good thing about hair is it grows back
1: and then like for the summer i think it's a good look
0: yeah yeah. i think by the end of the summer it'll be the perfect it'll be the length that i actually (laughs) want it so really just have to wait a couple of months here
1: So with the watch get together and like everyone that we got to meet, I was kind of thinking like, was this pandemic a very heightened experience of the watch community within Instagram? Because I joined during the pandemic. Sure. So I don't know if it's always been uh, this popping, this. Yeah. This inclusive and like everyone so welcoming. And, you know, I wonder if it was just a heightened experience because it was the pandemic. And I wonder how it's going to change once everyone goes back to like normalcy
0: that's a good point since, like you're saying, you don't really know what a before, the before times were yeah. for Instagram watch collecting and, and that sort of community. But it sounds like everyone's kind of looking forward to the next meetup. So mm-hmm. it seems like at least you all have met in person and that hopefully you'll see We've established see folks. the community
1: out yeah. in Seattle. See folks
0: again. I think yeah. something that, that is nice is it does seem like the community is very welcoming.
1: Mm-hmm. I know I had an amazing time at this watch meetup and can't wait for the second one.
0: All right. Well, on that note, I think we can close out this episode. Do you want to say goodbye?
1: (laughs) Uh, Seattle Watch Fam, thank you for uh, that great experience. And I'm looking forward to our second meetup. See you next time. All right. We'll see you next time.
0: To see some of the watches featured on today's podcast, Check out my last watch pod on Instagram. That's my last watch pod. All one word on Instagram.